ladies and gentlemen, I have, that is to say, the bee-loving imaginer has a, an extraordinary project today because what I get to do is uh, look at the characters that I have enjoyed uh, reading about and imagining and bringing to life in my own personal mental movie in the Jewish and the Christian scriptures and watching what they do in the Quran where they have uh, new adventures as they undergo new episodes. This is really an astonishing thing to see happen. Uh, and um, uh, that's what we're going to look at today. Let's begin with a bit of ornament or orientation. In uh, poem number one of this book, called A Unifying Light, Lyrical Responses to the Quran, we have a, a, a wonderful orienting guide. And also, let me, let me uh, t tell you uh, an even prior orientation, which might precede that, is to show you the Quran that I quote from. It's called The Meaning of the Glorious Quran, an explanatory translation by Muhammad Marmaduke Pickthall. Mar he took on the conversion name uh, from Arabic, but his name Marmaduke Pickthall was given to him as an Englishman. He grew up an Englishman in England, and uh, uh, this is a very widely circulated uh, a version of the Quran. Uh, best, one of the very best known, and from my point of view, absolutely the best. I think you'll get a sense today of s some of the extraordinary poetic heights uh, that it is capable of reaching. Anyway, now I was going to give you poem one from this book, and it's a lyrical response to surah, meaning chapter one. It's called The Opening. And uh, uh, th this is the orientation for the entire Quran. It's, it's like a, 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 it, it is a preface. It is the opening. Uh, and uh, I want you to be thinking, too, of how it resembles in length uh, the uh, uh, Our Father prayer in Christianity and the Hero Israel prayer in Judaism. And basically, it says the same thing as they do, and very, very well, too. And uh, what's more, uh, it... Um, Mm, well, this uh, it, it uh, the the very first line in the name of Allah, the beneficent, the merciful, is a line which begins also every chapter in the book, all of the hundred and fourteen. And that's interesting because people have pointed out that the beneficent, the merciful, suggests compassion and does not mention justice. Uh, so that uh, even though uh, the day of judgment is mentioned later on down the page, um, the interpretation is justified that. Uh, uh, beneficence and mercy will always outweigh uh, the considerations of just judgment and justice in the deliberations of God. In the name of Allah, the beneficent, the merciful, praise be to Allah, the Lord of the worlds, the beneficent, the merciful, owner of the day of judgment, the alone we worship, the alone we ask for help, show us the straight path, the path of those whom thou hast favored, not the path of those who are in thine anger, nor of those who go astray. I'd like to quote these verses also from the Quran. Lo, God says, we did reveal the Torah, wherein is guidance and a light. So the Torah, the uh, five books of Moses in, Ju uh, in the Jewish religion, which are the, indeed the foundation of that religion, uh, uh, were vouchsafed to us by Allah for a guidance and a light. And here he goes on. We bestowed on him, Jesus, the gospel wherein is guidance and a light. So 
gospel and Torah. Also, the Psalms of David are sacred in Islam. Those are three of the books, two of them Jewish, one Christian, and the fourth one is properly, is Islamic, more purely Islamic, and that is the uh, Quran. That, so there are four holy books. And unto thee, Muhammad, the Lord says, have we revealed the scripture with the truth, confirming whatever scripture was before it and a watcher over it. So the Quran confirms the uh, Torah, the Psalms, and the Gospels, and watches over all of them. So this is a unifying book. It's not for nothing I called my book A Unifying Light. And here's a poem I wrote. The hero Israel and our father, if we place together with the opening, we then may see how Judaism, Islam, Christianity are gems whereof the radiances interface. The origin to Father Abraham we trace of this tradition. Here the Lord portrayed the three as light and guidance. If we dwell instructed be, we'll hymn the glory limbed that is drawn portrayed in every jewel face. Now to the opening we'll open our embrace. A mirrored mutual illumination we are ready to receive in token of the grace that lent to ages depth from where resplendently the strength outspread to fill with life the heaven space in mercy to the world of time eternity. Now we've got that orientation. Now I'm going to go to Adam and Eve. I said Jews and Christians in the Quran. I'm calling him a Jew. Uh, that's using the word a bit, uh, a bit uh, loosely. But of course, there, everybody was more of the same mentality in those days, and uh, uh, you don't uh, have such distinct words of indicating distinctions. Uh, let's have Adam and Eve. Let's have the story of Eden and the fall. That's good. You'll you'll be surprised. It's quite an interesting way to tell the story of the the forbidden fruit. The Quran puts it this way, and we said, "O Adam, dwell thou and thy wife in the garden, and eat ye freely of the fruits thereof where ye will, and come not nigh this tree, lest ye become wrongdoers." But Satan caused them to deflect therefrom and expelled them from the happy state in which they were. Then Adam received from his Lord words of revelation and he relented toward him. Lo, he is the relenting, the merciful. It took him one verse to forgive. We said, go down all of you from hence, but verily there cometh unto you from me a guidance a guidance and a light. And whoso followeth my guidance, there, there shall no fear come upon them, neither shall they grieve. Here's what I wrote about that. Command was given, followed not. What Adam, Eve, and Satan wrought in triple failure to obey would cause a lesson to be taught. The narrative is told with speed. Deflection is a lesser deed of ill than hate would be. So pay to his relenting guidance. Heed. Relenting means going easy, forgiving. No fear will come. They shall not grieve who in the merciful believe. Deserving of high praise are they whom Satan can't of kindness thieve. And how shall loving flourish then? You must relent. Relent again. No evil can the heart affray that rule of lenitude will can. If you forgive people, you don't endanger yourself. It means you have a strong center. It means you have a firm spirit. Forgiveness is an act of courage. 
I wrote another poem about that. I really like this. I want to show in this second poem even more clearly why I like it. We said to Eve and Adam, dwell in Eden. The we is the uh, uh, imperial we. Uh, God often uses the plural. We said to Eve and Adam, dwell in Eden and content you well with all the fruitage meant for you. From but one tree avert your view, but Satan led the two unease mid such approved amenities. They fell in ugly struggle, foes till Allah should a cure disclose. When Adam readily had heard the needed revelation word, it showed the Lord relented who will judge but cure in mercy too. The ones who hear the Lord may know a soul at ease and forward go, assured that never fear, fear will feed their freedom, neither shall they grieve. No derogated wayward Eve. Eve is not blamed for anything more than Adam. She is, has no more responsibility and no less dignity than he. No snake wherein we need believe. That's interesting, isn't it? No snake in this Quranic Garden of Eden. No heritable taint of sin. And so forget 100% about any supposed inheritance of original sin. That is also totally absent. Benightedness, oh, no heritable taint of sin, benightedness or blight within. Our parable similitude with kinder light we find endued. A braver tune may indicate we view more plainly. Heaven gate. So my uh, uh, inner movie screen gets uh, very animated by this episode. And uh, it's a, a quite nice rewrite in many ways, wonderfully enlightened, with no blaming of women, with, with, not, with no uh, uh, talking snakes required to be believed in such things as that. Now let's try uh, something. Oh, yes, there is one thing that we have got still to look at. And that is an offense for which Adam perhaps is not entirely forgiven because he still persists in it. Uh, eating the, the forbidden fruit, and by the way, in, though, though in uh, Christianity and Judaism, it's often represented as an apple. In Islam, the traditional representation is more often a wheat seed. But whatever you may care, uh, think of in that regard, it's not as important uh, as um, uh, one other culpable uh, attribute of Adam, and that is his failure in stewardship. Stewardship is crucial. This, listen to this. And when thy Lord said unto the angels, Lo, I am about to place a viceroy in the earth, they said, Wilt thou place therein one who will do harm therein and will shed blood? While we, we him thy praise and sanctify thee. He said, God said, Surely I know that which you know not. That's most interesting. God expresses a lot more faith in us than all the host of angels. He guideth whom he will onto a straight path. I never forget that Quran verse. It's a, it's a help. Lo, says God, we offered the trust unto the heavens and the earth and the hills, but they shrunk from bearing it and were afraid of it. And man assumed it. Lo, he hath proved a tyrant and a fool. That is one of the most serious and important verses in the whole Quran. In other words, 
uh, man is appointed, human beings that is, uh, this is a old fashioned uh, gender biased language, but uh, man is appointed to be, that is humanity is appointed to be, to put it better uh, in terms of modern day phraseology, uh, humanity is the steward, humanity is the representative of God, the representative of the heavens, representative of heavens on the earth, and uh, therefore his commandment, his daily duty and responsibility is stewardship. But lo, he hath proved a tyrant and a fool. Is that how we're uh, taking care of the planet? Is that our attitude toward the environment? So that gives you something to think about, doesn't it? I wrote a poem about it. A tyrant and a fool has Adam proved, and yet for viceroy in the earth, a god prophetic set this being whom the angels trembled when they saw, foreseeing evil that the creature would beget. Too deep for tears, the word I'm hearing it with awe, wherein the Lord implies that man to higher law will be compliant in a mode he best will know. In him we see how faith can blessed connection draw. Yes, God believed in us and told the angels so. The olive, that's a straight line in Arabic, that he drew upon your heart would show the straight and upright path to which he'd wisely guide the all too strong and wide astray who'd righteous grow if they by loving intimation might abide and so convinced convicted quickly throw aside unholy bloated ego self-indulgent fret for dreadful is the woe of titans in their pride Well, we'll leave the story of Adam on that troubling note, troubling and daily relevant. And we will turn now to the founder of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, namely Abraham. And here I will look at another book that I wrote called East-West Poetry, a Western poet response to Islamic tradition in sonnets, hymns, and songs. All of these books are available from Amazon. Uh, let's see. Poem 95. Oh. Abraham. Here he is talking in the Quran to his father and uh, his father's companions. By Allah, I shall circumvent your idols after ye have gone away and turned your backs. Then he reduced them to fragments, all save the chief of them, that haply, by chance, they might have recourse to it. They said, Who hath done this to our gods? Surely it must be some evildoer. They said, Is it thou who hast done this to our gods, O Abraham? He said, mm -hmm. But this, their chief, hath done it. So question them if they can speak. That's smart. That's witty on Abraham's part. He says, I didn't do it. The big guy over there, he did. He just asked him about it. That's the whole point. They cannot speak. And if they, if they were utterly confounded, these, these people in his, uh, in his father's friend group, and they said, well, thou knowest that these speak not. They cried, burn him and stand by your gods if ye will be doing. We said, O fire, this is God speaking. O oh, fire, be coolness and peace for Abraham. So that's rather important, isn't it? Abraham becomes not only the founder 
of uh, a religion, of three religions, he becomes uh, a martyr hero, and a martyr hero of truly extraordinary attainments. Let me just show you the next thing and the, and the final and crucial thing about, about uh, Abraham. That's in the other book. This I never cease to be amazed at. This is Abraham's attitude toward his father. And what is that? Total forgiveness. He prays to God that God may pardon his father as being somewhat mistaken in his thinking. The first uh, stanza that I wrote is almost exactly the words of the Quran. I only made maybe two or three very slight uh, emendations to make the rhythm more perfect in the English tradition. But really, it is poetry. This is Marmaduke Pickthall's uh, miracle translation. My Lord, says Abraham in his Quranic prayer, there's nothing like it in the Jewish or Christian uh, Bible. My Lord. Vouchsafe me wisdom to the righteous minds unite me and give to me a good report in later generations, the heritage to merit of the garden of delight. My father, pardon. Lo, he is, alas, of those who err. Abuse me not upon the fateful day when they are raised, the day when wealth and sons and power avail not any man, save him who bringeth unto God an undivided heart. So prayed our father Abraham, to grateful thought invite me, the outstretched arms of pardon that he spread before the nations, the veils, that veils let fall away before the newly wakened sight, let flourish every seedling that the reaper will prefer, that ears of wheat on field be found, the gleaner eyes amazed, to see that more will yet remain, who've gathered all they can, for every day is harvest meant, the ending or the start. To vie with others in the race, find work to do, incite me, the prayers made by Abraham, to do the loved, give the loved oblations with gratitude for stir of day and quietness of night, for sun warmth in expanded wave and for the winds of whir, for psalming in the summer and the blizzard winter praised, for dew and rain a mercy, for the body-mind to span the matter-spirit living in the servant hymn of art. I'm very grateful to Abraham, without whom I could never have written that. And uh, now perhaps we should go to Joseph. Joseph, tell you some news. In the Quran has no coat of many colors. When I taught for a month in Egypt, we talked about the Quran, and I couldn't, there was no one in the room of uh, English teachers whom I was helping to improve their skills in, in speaking and writing. Uh, and there was no one in the room who had ever heard of Joseph's coat of many colors, but they all knew about the miracle shirt. Let me tell you about that. Uh, hmm. That will be poem 44. We've seen the brothers putting Joseph in a pit. You remember that? Uh, you remember that from the uh, Jewish or Christian Bibles? Uh, Joseph had eleven jealous brothers, and they put him in a pit, uh, hoping for the worst. And there he could have died had not a caravan come by and sent their water drawer, who surprised requested comrades' aid. 
He thought it was a well. He wanted to look for water. And he heard instead some shouting from down below. They saved him and would sell their prize to Potiphar in Egypt. Then a fit of lust attacked the latter's wife. So they've sold him to an Egyptian official uh, with uh, uh, communication with the court. And uh, then a fit of lust attacked the latter's wife, the official's wife. Beleaguered man, yet Joseph... Handsomest in all the land, advised by Allah, could withstand her wily tempter spell. The demon, though, who drove the woman wouldn't quit. She's running after Joseph in the hope she can't exact what he withheld. Yet she'll have realized her error when her woe to Potiphar she'll tell. The culprit merits prison or a painful doom. But Joseph, she it was who asked an evil deed of me. The shirt he wore, the victim had observed, was torn behind. She'd been the hunter, he the prey. Yes, if, she, if I was chasing her, why is my shirt the one that's torn all behind? A vindication of our hero, from the room of, in jail he strength attaining, rose by paying heed to God from whose commandment never had he swerved. And when a famine came, a savior role he'd play. His brothers, who would know him next, arrived in gloom, requesting bread, and Joseph gladly now will feel the men, for strong he is in spirit, not unnerved. What's more, he holding up the rescue shirt can say, Our father had been blinded, mourning for his son. If on those whitened eyes the garment he will lay, clean, clear vision he'll regain. Indeed, he can foresee the coming wonder now already. Go, be blessed. A vindication of the father. Quick they run to share the news, to give the food, and sunlit day to Jacob they'll restore. The shirt has worked, and we behold his brightened, loving gaze, the holiest. Repel the bad with what is better. Once begun, forgiveness that originates in Allah may irradiate the world as Joseph Egypt. He, us healing, a healing pardon spread, an Eden garden fest. So that's the magic shirt, the miracle shirt. It is an emblem of Joseph's faithfulness to God, his chastity, his virtue, the fact that he didn't go around trying to chasing after women at the Pharaoh's court, but rather was put into prison. Uh, despite that fact, indeed, he was put there because he resisted. And so the shirt is that of a holy, is a, a holy man, and uh, it has assumed it has been given rather miraculous powers. Oh, this is kind of fun. Uh, while Joseph was still in prison, uh, uh, the uh, the rumors that uh, uh, the official's wife had played a, a dreadful cheating, lying trick on him, were circulating wildly, and she wanted to put a stop to them, so she invited all of her lady friends for lunch. Just a moment. And women in the city said, the ruler's wife is asking of her slave boy an ill deed. Indeed, he has smitten her to the heart with love. We behold her in plain aberration. They know what's happened. 
And when she heard of their sly talk, she sent to them and prepared for them a cushioned couch to lie on at the feast and gave to every one of them a knife and said to Joseph, come out unto them. And when they saw him, they exalted him and cut their hands, exclaiming, Allah, blameless. This is not a human being. This is no other than some gracious angel. You see, what the, what the account in Exodus never got around to telling us is that Joseph was just the handsomest man in the whole country. And uh, here are the women. They have got their, they're at their luncheonette and they're having presumably something like oranges for dessert. And they've got their fruit knives. And so dazzling is his manly beauty that uh, they, they, drop their knives and they cut their hands and you've got this great splutter of orange juice and blood. It's really quite a dreadful mess. It has a bit of a comic aspect too of the slapstick sort. She said, she's still quite angry. She doesn't appreciate the comedy. She said, this is he on whose account he blamed me. I asked of him an evil act, but he proved continent. And if he do not do my behest, he verily shall be imprisoned and verily shall be of those brought low. Then Joseph said, O oh my Lord, prison is more dear to me than that to which they urge me. And if thou fend not off their wiles from me, I shall incline unto them and become of the foolish. In other words, jail is ten times better than what these women are putting me through now. Well, the Quran is not always praised for comedy, but uh, I want to, to be uh, uh, just uh, in acknowledging all of its merits. Ah. Now, uh, in poem, we're going to skip now to, to Moses. Moses is a, a really quite fascinating. When he, you know, arrived in the in the bulrush basket at the uh, uh, and w at the shore and was found by the Pharaoh's daughter and taken uh, into the palace, the wife of Pharaoh, it says in the Quran, said, "It will be a consolation for me and for thee. Kill Moses not." Perhaps he may be of use to us, or we may choose him for a son. And Allah citeth an example for those who believe. The wife of Pharaoh, when she said, My Lord, build for me a home with thee in the garden, and deliver me from Pharaoh and his work, and deliver me from evil-doing folk. You see what happened? She was so touched by Moses, I think she... She never forgot that first love for the beautiful boy. And what happened after that was she got so exasperated with Pharaoh that she said to him and to herself, with a domestic and foreign policy like this, <clears throat> which merits us one plague after another, just because he refuses to let those wretched people go, uh, what kind of an idiot have I married? And she says, the God of the Jews is the correct one. The Quran spells this all out and tells what she says in great detail. The, the God of the Jews is the only real God. I turn my heart to him now. I want to go to heaven. I do not want anything more to do with this person to whom I happen to be most regrettably married. And so she did eventually get to heaven and she's there now. She's one of the four incontestably holy women who we know attained that status. There's uh, Pharaoh's wife, Asiya is her name. Uh, there's Khadija, Muhammad's wife. There's Muhammad's daughter, Fatima. And there's the Virgin Mary, the mother of Jesus, who is regarded as Virgin Mary in Islam. Oh. Well, now how about King Solomon? Well, say a word about him. You know why I want to say a word about him? Because you remember, stewardship 
is our responsibility for this planet. Our environment, our nest, our home, our habitation, and our gift from God. It's our responsibility, and have we kept, have we maintained it? No, we have not. Uh, we have proved a tyrant and a fool. Now, uh, it seems to me that Solomon shared this problem. And unto Solomon we, that is God, gave the wind whereof the morning course was a month's journey, and the evening course a month's journey. And we caused the fount of copper to gush forth for for him, and we gave him certain of the jinn, the genies, who worked before him by permission of his Lord. Uh, the Quran goes on, I can't quote it all here, but all it details all the different things he, the boilers, the, the gardens, the walls, the palaces, uh, the, uh, the turrets and the, and the fortifications that he built with the help of these genies and with the help of the winds themselves. He seems to have been uh, a, a big time developer, uh, but listen to this. Then we decreed death for him, and nothing showed his death to them, save a creeping creature of the earth which gnawed away his staff. And when he fell, the jinn saw clearly how, if they had known the unseen, they would not have continued in despised toil. So it looks like he not only exploited the environment, but he exploited his workers. So I have had to write that up. Lo, we had offered trust to heavens, earth, and hills, but they had shrunk from here, bearing it. They were afraid, and man, assuming it, proved tyrant and a fool. When Solomon we gave the wind in strength arrayed, the blast at morn or eve, a month-long journey made, outdistancing the very jinn with speed that thrills, did then the king expose to lasting ridicule the might we granted by their labors heavy laid? The creeping creature that had gnawed the royal staff evoked from spirits overtasked a languid laugh. They wished that they had known from work that they despised. They'd very soon be freed, but they were quite surprised. Until man faithfully a steward role fulfills, he cannot thrive or prosper. Brief will be his rule. Now we will go Two, it's time we did that. There are not so many Christian stories as Jewish ones in the Quran, partly because the Jewish Bible just has so many more stories in it. But uh, the Christian ones are extremely good and important. And uh, here we learn about the Virgin Mary and how she gave the birth to Jesus. How did she do that? Well, uh, there's no assistance from Joseph. He isn't in the story and he is not mentioned. Uh, and she, there's no manger either. She's out by herself. Uh, under a palm tree, and she is experiencing the most horrendous labor pains that uh, uh, possibly anyone ever had. Listen to this. And the pangs of childbirth drove her unto the trunk of the palm tree. She said, oh, would that I had, would that I had died ere this and become a thing of naught, forgotten. She's wishing to die. She was, she's just fantasizing suicide. That's what Mary is doing. Then one cried unto her from below her, saying, Grieve not, thy Lord hath placed a rivulet beneath thee. That's miracle number one. And shake the trunk of the palm tree toward thee, thou wilt cause ripe dates to fall upon thee. Miracle number two. So eat and drink and be consoled. Now what does poet Rumi, the great uh, Persian Sufi, have to say about this? The body. Our body, your body, mine, is like Mary. Each of, us, each of us has a Jesus 
But so long as no pain appears, our Jesus is not born. If pain never comes, our Jesus goes back to his place of origin on the same secret path he had come, and we remain without a share of him. So, everybody's merry, and you've got to bear your Jesus, and if you're not prepared to put up with one uh, great deal of pain, just to put it mildly, you are not going to see him. The Jesus of your body's born from pain, so Rumi tells, yet water, palm tree, dates, nourish the sufferer who celebrates what she could never otherwise attain. Such trial is the guide to godly gain. Dark mind is driven hard to bear a soul. Heart will be riven, that means torn apart, that it may be whole. From thorn to Jordan, fear to Eden plain. The sorrow journey is both road and goal. Wiser the traveler than those who wait. Prefer the path to fair and fine estate. To bear a rarer Jesus be your role. The dates, the rivulet, the favored rain. From shaken palm tree shall the child unchain. I feel that deeply. I hope it came through. So that's the first thing. We learn new things about Mary. Actually, the Quran has an entire chapter called Mary. You will learn a hundred things more, a hundred times more about Mary than you will from even the Christian scriptures. Uh, now let's see. Poem 30. This is quite interesting. This is about Jesus. Then she brought him, this is when ba uh, Jesus is just, just a baby in his cradle. She brought him to her own folk, carrying him. They said, oh, Mary, thou hast come with an amazing thing. Then she pointed to him. They said, how can we talk to one who is in the cradle, a young boy? He spoke. Lo, I am the slave of Allah. He hath given me the scripture and hath appointed me a prophet and hath made me blessed wherever I may be, and hath enjoined upon me prayer and almsgiving so long as I remain alive, and hath made me dutiful toward her who bore me, and hath not made me arrogant, unblessed. Peace on me the day I was born, and the day I die, and the day I shall be raised alive. Such was Jesus, son of Mary. We knew the youth of tender years in temple spoke, and later with a strength born of authority. Here we may hearken to a cradle homily, with precepts taken much to heart, not hard the yoke of rules instilled, which to fulfill would be his goal. Charity, duty, prayer, in dying and when born, peace, ever peace, the lesson that prophetic morn, blessed, not arrogant, a humbled, hallowed soul. Blessed mother, woman with a greater grandeur graced, for Islam finds her famed in heaven ever chaste than any but the others of the perfect four. Asiya, spouse of Pharaoh during Moses' life, Fatima and Khadija, daughter and first wife of wise Muhammad, honored all for evermore. Now I think I will have one final story about Jesus.
Allah said, O Jesus, son of Mary, remember my favor unto thee and unto thy mother, how I strengthened thee with the Holy Spirit, so that thou spakest unto mankind in the cradle as in maturity, and how I taught thee the scripture and wisdom and the Torah and gospel, and how thou didst shape of clay, as it were, the likeness of a bird by my permission, and didst blow upon it, and it was a bird by my permission, and how thou didst heal him who was born blind and a leper by my permission, and how thou didst raise the dead by my permission. So Jesus was modeling a bird out of clay, and it flew away. Actually, the story may be found in a in a uh, an apocryphal Christian gospel, one that didn't make it into the traditional sanctioned canon, uh, just as the story of uh, um, Abraham smashing the gods of his father is in a Jewish midrash, midrash although not the burning alive. Uh, it just shows how the traditions intermix and blend and borrow. Yes, Allah, scripture, wisdom, Torah, gospel taught to Jesus, Holy Spirit aiding in him, wrought the power to teach when he yet in the cradle lay, the willing pilgrim who embodied doctrine sought. By God's permission, Jesus made a bird of clay and breathing on it, sent it flying on its way. He was allowed to raise the dead, to make the to make see the blind and heal the leper, glory deed of storied sway. The scripture, wisdom, Torah, gospel, humankind from Jesus learned, Muhammad's followers will find, so God would underline in telling of it here, three Abrahamic legacies are intertwined. The Jesus bird through heaven flying will appear to them who resurrected feel each day, each year. Light spirit being granted never can be caught or caged proclaims the heart unaging, free of fear. And I thank you. Mm -hmm.